0: Welcome to Face Your Faith with West Kenyon. It is our hope that today's study will encourage you to grow deeply in your relationship with God as we study the word together. Now let's join West for today's study. This week we will be taking a look at walking away from God. And in a number of aspects, this topic will relate to my past topic on Can You Lose Your Salvation? which you can find in our online archives. The topic today will differ, however, in that we are going to examine what it looks like to walk away from what God wants and expects of us, and what it looks like to return from walking the self-serving path through the valley of the shadow of death. So the question is, have you ever walked away from God? Have you ever willingly and intentionally went against what God wanted you to do, and were so bent on not listening that you took yourself far enough away that you could no longer hear God's voice? We often attempt to pull this off as kids with parents and friends, and when we figure out that supposedly going far enough away to not, quote, hear works, We carry it out into adulthood and too often make it a practice with those we don't want to hear from on a regular basis. Yes, including God. And just in case you are questioning whether or not you are in this camp, yes, you are, and regularly. If I can just get far enough away, I won't be able to hear anyone, so I can then legitimately use the excuse of having not heard a word that was said. And so that means I will legitimately be excused. But as the old adage goes, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Little kids often cover up their ears with their hands when they don't want to hear any more from an authority in their life. They put their head down, look away and plug their ears. And if that doesn't stop the sound waves from breaching the ear canal, they start making noise to cancel out what sounds filtered past. It is truly quite innovative if you consider the details. Our hands became the first noise-canceling headphones, using noise to cancel noise. And that is exactly what we so often do with God, using our noise of self to cancel the seemingly disruptive, truthful, guiding noise from God. When God gives us orders, a rundown of his desires, direction, etc., we oftentimes don't want to be bothered with it. After all we know what to do and how to get things done on our own and when we need help we know where to go and find it. And that from others we know will give us what we want to hear and those who will approve of what it is we want to do. But when we start to crash and burn and go hunting for godly wisdom and direction, it is often too late in the game and often we are crying out when we have fallen off the side of the mountain and into the ravine. Worse yet, we more often than not know better than to start climbing the mountain in the first place, and yet we go for it anyway, all while not listening to those who climbed it before us. And these mountains are everyday life, and not one of us is very skilled at climbing the mountains of this world and life. And so we need a very good guide with knowledge and wisdom, and we need to acquire all the right equipment, and not the equipment we think we need, but the legitimate stuff if there is even a hope of taking even the first step without having a devastating fall. Many have attempted to climb Mount Everest and died. Many have tried to climb Mount Everest and couldn't make it to the top and had to turn around. And some considered all the facts and got all the necessary information and just set out to do nothing more than just look at Mount Everest and recognize that the proper place for them was to remain at the bottom and not attempt the many deadly obstacles that awaits everyone and anyone who attempts to defeat it. Again, life is like Mount Everest, and before we go and attempt to conquer it, we need to go to God and ask for direction and wisdom. Wisdom on whether or not we should or should not attempt something. Wisdom on future ramifications. That even if it looks and sounds good now, will it be good in the long run? I say this because when we seek wisdom from God, He is generous to give it freely and not find fault in our asking. This, however, will only work if we are truly seeking God's true, really perfect wisdom and truly listen to God's every word, and not ourselves and to others we seek out for answers we want and have already come to the conclusion on. And this begins to lead us into a time when we can easily start to walk away from God and do our own things, and all because we did not get what we thought we should get or deserved when we went and asked God or others for that matter. So often we play games with our words as well and emotions and feel as though we can trick God and manipulate God into thinking he won't know better. On the surface, we know deep down that it doesn't work like that, but we still so often give it our all to get what we want by supposedly manipulating God. And if we are not truly seeking the answers of God, why are we even bothering to go to him and ask for his wisdom and guidance in the first place? And the answer is so deceptive and twisted Because if we went and asked God, we can say, well, I did what God wanted of me. I went and asked and sought God just like he told me. And so at least if I did that, it doesn't make it as bad as if I hadn't gone to him at all. And so I am now at least somewhat in God's will. And what a lie. I had an interesting conversation with a man recently, and he was explaining that when he gets married, he would ask the father of his bride-to-be for her father's permission to have his daughter's hand in marriage. Me being me, and even though I love tradition, I could not help but inquire as to why he would do that, and his answer turned into a great conversation. He said he would ask the father's permission to marry his daughter because it was just the traditional, proper, and right thing to do. And to that I said, great, but have you considered how you will respond if the father says, no, I don't think you should marry my daughter. As a matter of fact, I don't like you at all and don't want you as a son-in-law. I continued and asked him, would you take his answer and advice and potential wisdom at face value and accept it? After all, he might know his daughter better than you and might know better what type of man truly would suit his daughter best. And this man's response was spot on when he said, I never thought about that. And I guess I would be upset or even angry and would completely ignore what the dad said because his daughter and I have already decided what we were going to do regardless of his response. In response to that, I replied, So you are really not going to this woman's father to get his blessing and answers and thoughts and wisdom and permission. Rather, you are simply going fraudulently with your mind already made up just because it has a nice, quaint, historical ring to it. And this is how many of us approach God when we ask him for something. And just like the conversation I had with this man, he was going to do it his way and walk away from what was said, regardless and all because it would not suit his plan and predetermined answer he decided to get before he even asked. So then, this being how we often go to God also clearly defines just how far we are away from God before we even ask for direction. Could it be that we are so far from God at this point, he can't even hear us? And these examples could not come to life any more clearly than taking a look at the life of King David and his son. As many of us know, King David had an affair with Bathsheba and the same one who had his general killed, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, so that he, David, would not have to face any backlash and consequence for his actions of infidelity. It should also be noted that when Bathsheba and David slept together the first time during their affair, Bathsheba conceived, but God never allowed that child to live. It wasn't until David and Bathsheba got married did they have their first child, Solomon, the future King Solomon, who also made some very bad decisions with women. I mention all of this in brief because I think it is very important to see the family dynamics. Tragically, but nonetheless incredibly fascinating in my opinion, is the story sounds exactly like what is happening in the world right now. This very second, and all over the planet, this sounds like a generationally messed up family. A man who strayed from God, David. A woman who strayed from God, Bathsheba. A man whose life was taken in the heat of passion and deceit, Uriah. And a child who died at birth, and a son who was born into a twisted family, Solomon. So we see the apple did not fall far from the tree, and Solomon too followed in his father's footsteps in walking away from God and attempting to do it his way. But in all of this, God still very much loved David and loved Solomon and forgave them when they acknowledged and confessed their wrongs, even though both father and son fell to the sin that is common to all of us. Unfortunately, we don't often take the time to read God's word in the proper context and really see these people for who they are. They are just people, just people like you and me, just people committing the same sins we commit and receiving consequences in the exact same way we do from God. And this is the only reason they are worthy of being mentioned in God's Word. It is only because they are wrecks. Their lives are so valuable to us as examples. It is the only reason God could use them so mightily as examples for future generations who would read and acknowledge His Word of Truth. Entirely too often the church elevates the people in the Bible as, quote, saints, and the use of the word all wrong. They are looked up to as heroes and virtually godlike. We put them on pedestals and in too many instances ascribe them more credit than God himself for their near flawless devotion to God. So when was the last time you heard a message that covered the hideousness of our biblical peers? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Noah, Adam, Eve, Moses, and the list goes on and on throughout scripture. When was the last time we looked deep into these lives and recognized fully they are just people, fallen, sinful, stubborn, wayward, disobedient people who all veered off course with God? Plenty of times they did what they wanted to do and did the very things that do not honor God at all, and in the same way we do those exact same things every day. Consider this, David was a ruling king of a huge nation. Let's break that down one step further. David held the same power, if not more power, than the President of the United States. And view this example with the opinion you more than likely have of David right now. And that of him being this very righteous, very God-fearing man, and a person whose life you so wish you could marginally emulate. And what if this man appeared on tomorrow morning's headline news, stating, President David has extramarital affair with U.S. Secretary of Defense Uriah's wife. President later called Secretary Uriah to White House for talks. During talks, President David gets drunk. President sends Secretary of Defense Uriah to frontline to be killed to avoid scandal and allegations of affair. With 95% certainty, I can say if you were to read that tomorrow morning, you and the rest of the world would be up in arms, and rightly so. And you would be demanding that President David be removed from office immediately and for court hearings to be held and to have this man sentenced to one long prison term. You would no longer buy into the fact that he called himself a man of God and was devoted to God. You would say he was a fraud, not a real Christian, because real, true, God-fearing Christians, especially leaders, would never do something like that. You would say, I can't believe we ever elected someone like this who we once trusted. And then the famous line would ring out far and wide from pastors to pundits. These are the darkest days ever. This is truly an indication of the end times. We know when things like this start taking place, Christ's return is not far off. And we would drone on and on and on for months, yet only to forget a decade later what we were even moaning about after life just somehow magically moved on until the next king took over and also fell from grace, King Solomon. But don't forget, this account was the headline in the news, and King David was indeed that man, the leader of a nation who did these very things, every one of them. So why don't you have a dark and dim view of these incredibly evil and wicked things that David did? It was terrible, and it was disgusting, and it was vile, and he not only walked away from God in these moments, he sprinted, he pole vaulted over God to fulfill his lust, passion, and deceit. I believe these moments are critical to remember as we read God's word. And at no time did God ever tell us to make these people heroes. God never indicated that we are to lift these people up in any way as deities and attempt to emulate them. Quite the contrary, God made it very clear that we are to live by only following one example and only one way and lift up only one name that is definitively above all names. By the way, if you are questioning the validity of the events I have brought forth, you can read the headlines for yourself in God's own word, found in 2 Samuel, and you can get even deeper reading about David's son, King Solomon, in the book of Kings. In case you are wondering why I have not read any of the scripture passages for today's message, it is because I want and hope that you will go and investigate for yourself the entirety of these scriptures. You need to read the headline news of both of these leaders and consider all the facts that have been presented. And I hope you do thoroughly investigate this with God. I hope it is a big deal as if this was a headline that just broke on a global scale this morning. And to seek God and walk back to Him in your own life and not to live vicariously through anyone else. In closing, should you choose to honor David as a hero and strive to be David, Get ready to make your own headline news, and not as a hero. As for me, I can safely say as I continue to grow in my relationship with the Lord, I don't want to be anyone other than who God made me to be. I am plenty messed up all on my own. I don't need any more disasters or someone else's disasters in my life. I struggle every day, and more than enough with who I am and who I and I alone need to be for the Lord. I don't need to aspire to be anyone else, ever. Because if I aspire to be someone else or live like someone else, I am in no way living for my God and have done nothing more than to walk away from Him just to follow someone else. So much of my life has been spent on attempting to live like others, aspiring to what others did and do, and I believe it is the perfect lie of Satan to keep me completely distracted from living like Christ and for Christ. If we sincerely look deep into the lives of the many individuals God used for his purpose, they were not following others, they were following God. They feebly and ever so dysfunctionally sought God's desire for their lives and anguished and suffered when they failed. But how does this correlate with our central theme of walking away? Because when we are looking up to others outside of God, Jesus, our savior, we are walking away from God and we will fall and fall hard. We can only honor God and live out our salvation in and through Jesus under one condition, and that is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then, and only then, will all the other things be added to us. If you wish to grovel at the feet of David for his eloquence and passionate writing, then get ready to have an affair, lose a child, get drunk, and be an accessory to murder. And just my opinion, I don't think David would approve of being looked up to in any form or fashion and would be the first to tell us, do not look at me. Just learn from my mistakes, please, and don't ever repeat them. Don't walk away from God like I did. Perhaps we need to start learning from our fellow people rather than glorifying them and walk back to the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray. Most gracious Father, forgive us for walking away from you and placing our hope and trust and faith and hearts in people. Forgive us for our desire to lift up the name of anyone but you. Help us to see clearly exactly who it is we need to follow and glorify and magnify. Help us to recognize that in so many ways and so frequently, we get distracted by our desires to be connected to importance and fame and the eloquence of people rather than being connected to faith, truth, and the reality in you and you alone. Give us understanding and wisdom to look deep into our own lives and to know where we stand with you and whether or not we need to turn around and walk back to you in a time of confession and recognition and to be fully satisfied in you who made us to be in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Guide us now, we ask, that we may trust you for where we are and learn from our mistakes and shortcomings and others who have gone before us as an example of where we need to be with you. We now ask all of these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.